Have you heard about the 2018 study that showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? No? Well, now you have. I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual, the company making traceability the new standard in the supplement industry. I remember staring at my prenatal vitamins and finding all these things I was trying to avoid. High amounts of heavy metals, synthetic colorants, and unnecessary ingredients. So, at four months pregnant, I quit my job and started Ritual, because I believe that all women deserve to know what they're putting in their bodies and why. I'm so proud of our prenatal vitamin. The ingredients are 100% traceable, it's third-party tested for microbes and heavy metals, and recently received the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. You see, we trace like a mother because, let's be honest, no one cares quite like a mother. But don't just take my word for it. Trace for yourself with 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Hello, friends. I'm your host, Chris Thrill. I'm a former Royal Marines commando. I've adventured for better and sometimes worse across 80 countries on all seven continents. Welcome to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Which part of the U.S. are you in? Uh, in Arizona. Okay. I'm guessing it's pretty hot there. Uh, actually, it's been pretty nice lately. Uh, it's in, well, it's in the 80s, 90s. Next week, it'll be in the, in the hundreds. So I don't know. That's Celsius for you guys. It's like 30 something or whatever. It's, it's just going to be hotter than the U.K. full stop, <laughs> no, matter, <laughs> no matter what time of the year. Yeah. Uh, did you did you see the Andy Ruffle podcast? Oh yeah, yeah. He's a good guy, yeah. isn't he? Oh yeah, Andy's a good bloke. I really like Andy. Yeah. Except he he moved himself off to Florida because he I I I think he seems to be having a lot more fun in Florida than he was in the uh, in uh, Vegas. So yeah, if you watch his videos, he's always on his mountain bike or he's doing something, you know. He's always doing something. Yeah, Andy was a, a BMX legend for all, all of us when we were kids. But but then again, so were you guys. Yeah, but Andy was the one everyone saw. So it was it was pretty easy for you guys to fall in love with that cat, you know? Yeah, because did I gather I was reading that fascinating article your your wife Jane sent me that they didn't they didn't give you a mention in the credits. No, the only mention is a small little thing at the bottom. It says, thank you to Everything Bicycles. Everything Bicycles was the bike company that supplied the Kohara bicycles for the movie. And they were, um, they wanted to know why they weren't going to get paid for the bicycles. Yeah. (laughs) Let's put it this way. Howie didn't do nothing for free. Yeah. But little did he know that that was going to launch Kuahara or Kuara, as we used to call them, uh, into the, well, globally. Well, let's put it this way. I myself had done two or three movies that never saw the light of day. And then when we filmed this, we never saw most of the, well, I did, but most of the other kids never even saw the character. You know, we were just riding bikes through this thing with this aluminum uh, it was a ducking system, aluminum ducking system with a blanket wrapped around it, stuffed in that little thing. And that's what we were riding around with. Not the doll wasn't even in there. 
Oh, wow. So, how, come, how come you all had head, headwear on and headphones? Was, was that some technical thing? No, it was, it was just the way they wanted to make the kids look. Okay. Know? A bit like they didn't, they didn't even work, and I broke one set of them. So, <laughs> because if when we, we did the car scene, when we go over the car, uh, they shot it once and then they shot it again and they had to do it in different angles. And there was this one point where they were holding us by the rims at the top of the hill as we were pointing down to get a close-up of us coming up over the car. And as racers, me and Bob were in front and, and then we both heard action and we both went to go. And the guys, the grip guys that were holding the bikes didn't let go. And we both went over the bars. I landed on top of the car and it was, it was funny. It's just one of them funny things. Mm. You know, there's got to be video of all that too somewhere, you know. Was that Bob Harrow? Yeah. Yeah, I got a Harrow Freestyler in, in the garage here. Yeah, I saw, I've been looking up what you've done and stuff. And I saw that video of you riding in a car park. Yeah, I, I, my love for BMX has never faltered. Um, I wouldn't say that I ride a lot, but um, I can still do a few tricks. But I think ET was—I don't think you could explain it. it. It's one of those phenomenons in life that you—it's impossible to explain to another generation. But the moment in that film, where was it? The Feds or the the CIA that they're after the little alien and all you guys hopped on your bikes. It, the, the film just, it, it, it just took off. It just became, for a young man, you know, a, a teenager, a young teenager at the time, just became magical. And I, I challenge anyone to come out of that cinema and not want to have a BMX uh, immediately. And then, of course, we had the BMX craze and Andy Ruffle there, um, Tim March, a lot of... Um, Famous names in this country were, were leading the way and were incredibly um, skilled riders. And um, we we just rode our BMXs all day, every single day, all day long when we weren't at school. And um, it 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 was uh, uh, it it's not the actual act of riding the bike, although that was great. It was just the feeling at the time. Do you do you get me, Robert? Yeah. Well, like with me or. You know, back then the only play, the only way of getting around was on your bike. You know, and I was on my bike as soon as I got up and I got outside. We were out on bikes, doing something, riding in the fields or just riding to the beach or riding somewhere, going to a friend's house. But you were always on your bike. You know, so you you did what you could when you can on the bike. And like I said, the movie was so. It opened a lot of eyes to what are these little kids on these bikes doing? You know, it didn't really show the BMX racing or nothing, but it excited the people for the little bikes. Yeah, very much. We were quite fit back then, weren't we? Yeah, it's not like today. Even like with my kids, they didn't really ride. They didn't ride bikes at all, almost. They would really, truly. He got a computer when he was seven, and that was about it. He started doing computer stuff. He didn't want to play baseball. He wanted to be on his computer and doing stuff like that. 
which was okay with me because they were learning the whole time, you know, they were good kids. I bought them bikes, took them to the track, you know, but they like went, no, I want to go home and play on my computer. You know, what can you do? It's a different generation. Yeah, they've grown up with BMXing and stunt biking and the X Games and, and um, all this kind of stuff. It's always been there for them, hasn't it? Whereas for us, when you were young, you, you, you had cycling to get somewhere. Then you had racing biking, which was your Tour de France stuff. And yeah, not many people were going to get involved in, in that sort of thing. It, was, it just wasn't what many people did. And then, of course, this, this new wave of riding came out and it just took the world by storm. Yeah, in fact, like I said, especially with England, they took it to heart and they really built up. I mean, I'd say because the movie came out in 81, 82, 83, 84, you guys were on it. You guys did it. You guys, and then you guys, much more than it was in the United States, you guys had commercials, you did TV shows, you did, you know, a weekly series. You know, you had a lot of stuff going on with the racing part of it that really brought it to more of the masses in your country you know yes it may have that all the kids saw it on et and they looked at it you know and they saw it they saw the thing in chips you know and they were like oh they're interested but you guys brought it to perfect you know they they brought it to the people and they did it you know and i love the way you guys you guys would ride in the rain you guys would you know you guys would just ride whenever and it was like when the americans came over and they were like Oh, it's raining. They probably thought no races. And you guys, no, we're ready to go. Let's go do this. Yeah, the, the bikes were something else, so Robert, weren't they? They they were so well made for their time. Um oh, yes, you know, and you gotta remember, there was only a few manufacturers of bikes. Today, like in the United States, I think there's 172 different frame manufacturers. So back then you had four, maybe. And then every year you may get another two. So maybe total of 10 at the time, you know, you know, it wasn't, it was like today. I mean, everybody and their uncle builds a bicycle, you know, I think therein lies the problem why people say they're not making any money in the industry is because the pie is broken up into so many pieces that, you know, like in the old days, there's only a couple people. So Kuwahara, um, Redline, Haro, GT. So it was a very small pot. So they were, they, uh, there was more kids purchasing those bikes. So they had more money to promote the, the bikes and the kids. I mean, I can remember when the kids were traveling all through the United States or Europe or South America. Nowadays, none of the teams can do that. They can't afford to do that. You know, mm. it's just a cost thing now. And the sport is very niche. Yeah. Can we, Robert, can we go back and, and, and start from the beginning? Because I'm just fascinated to hear how you accidentally ended up in ET and, and sure. as, far, as far as I'm concerned, be, became the star of the show. Sure. Like, uh, I worked for Everything Bicycles, Kuohara Bicycle brand in the United States. Uh, Howie Cohen was the owner of it. We were, it was really funny, my situation there. I. I met him in 78, um, started working like all, do you remember the brake levers with the sleeve on it? They had a little rubber, rubber sleeve on it. 
uh, vaguely. I, I always remember MX levers with the two fingers. Yeah. Well, I used to bend all those levers. We'd get them from Japan straight, just regular levers. I would bend them and put the sleeve on them and throw them in a box. Bend them, put a sleeve on, throw them all day long. For, for a couple of years, I'd do stuff like that or put stickers away or put send stickers out and stuff that for then I started doing more and more stuff for them. In 1980, uh, it was probably late 80, 81, when the ET thing came around, I was working part-time for them, but mostly stuff, whatever, how he wanted me to do. And then one day he asked me to come in his office and he had all these things, but they, it still didn't say ET. It was just all these concept pic pictures about stuff. And he, what do you think of this? And I said, yeah. And then he told me these a couple other things he said well we're going to build these bicycles for this thing he's and but you need to go there so i went there the first day to show them colors and stuff so i drove out to the studio didn't really know who this steven spielberg cat was at all at all so i drive in the studio and i talked to them and they had storyboards on the wall and he was telling me all this stuff and i said oh really yeah and we started talking and he showed me what they wanted the kids to do. And I said, there's no way these kids can do that. And he kind of asked me, how would you know? And I said, because I ride these bicycles all the time. And then he, he go, and I, and I think I suggested, I have my bike in the back. I can show you a little bit. And so I grabbed my bike out of the back. We walked out. And I think Kathleen Kennedy was with them too, but I'm not positive. And there's those loading ramps, those concrete loading ramps they used to, for trucks. There was one of those and his Porsche was parked right by it. So I come by and I pedal by fast and I do a couple jumps off this thing. And I saw that thing. So I go, oh, let me see what he would do if I did this. So I jumped over his car <laughs> and landed. And he said that. And I said, that's why you won't be able to get these kids to do. And then they asked me, oh, so you know more kids that could do this? And I said, yes. And at the time, Ask Scott BMX was running. Ask Scott BMX would run on a, a Wednesday night, 60 motos. So you're talking a thousand kids are probably there, you know? So one, one Wednesday night, Kathleen Kennedy and a group of other producers and people with uh, checkboard, you know, boards they can write on and information sheets and stuff kind of came to the track, started pulling kids off the track, asking them questions, writing down things, saying, please, uh, can you meet us on Saturday at this place? So they picked out about, I'd say, 10 or 15 kids, and they wanted them to meet in the valley where they ended up shooting this. Um, Bob Harrow wasn't even involved at this point. I don't know what, I truly don't even know how he got put into where he was put in at that point. We showed up at the thing for the thing. I thought I was just going to be there to take care of the bikes and stuff. Uh, once I got there, the lady, the producer comes to me and he goes, you got to go to wardrobe. Excuse me? I got to go to wardrobe for what? Oh, didn't you see your thing? And then on my thing, it said stunt double. And I said, oh, okay. So I went to wardrobe, got all set. And that's the first time I think I saw Bob, you know? So we, they eliminated about more than half the kids, told them they can go home now and stuff like that. Picked out a group of kids, which ended up being the group of kids that did the shooting. And that's how it all started out, you know? It was, it was pretty simple, you know, for me. I mean, I, and then shooting 
we shot so much more than what they showed, you know. I mean, there's a really interesting story about they thought we couldn't do certain stunts, so they hired a stuntman, a true stuntman. <laughs> he was a little guy. He, he was probably four, four foot five or five, you know, not that tall. He looked like a little kid body-wise, but when he turned around, he looked like an old man, you know. It was just funny. And it was this scene. We were in a second-story uh, house, an unfinished house. And what the object was is the writer was going to go up a set of stairs and out the back door or out the top window onto some wood, down another set of wood, and then off to the road. Okay, so they set it all up. They look, we're all sitting in the background going, he doesn't even look like he could ride a bike. He just did look really awkward, you know? And they said action and he took off out the window and he just went whoop, straight to his head. Boom, he shakes it off. Oh, it's okay, it's cool. I just misplaced something, you know, I didn't get my footing right or something. So they set it all up again. He goes out and he tries it again and does the exact same thing. This time he rocked himself. I mean, he was like, oh, and they were like, oh, we're going to have to cut shooting. And then one of the kids, David Lee, pretty much said, I could do this because it was his character. I could do it in one take without a problem. And they said, you sure? You know, and they were like, well, can you sign this extra paper in case you get hurt and all this other stuff? So they set it all up again. He did it perfectly. Woof right out the window, onto his back wheel, down to the second tier, down to the ground, boom. One shot, 30 seconds, blam, gone. They never used it, you know? Yeah, wow. there's a lot of things, you know? And if you watch, I watch the movie and I can find flaws in it all the time, you know? If you look carefully, like when we come off the car and go around the, the uh, houses, if you look really carefully, just before they cut, when we go around the houses, You'll look at the person that's riding the ET bike do a complete endo. And if you look really carefully just before the cut, you'll see his legs flying in the air. <laughs> it, it, yeah, and you can't notice it because the cut is so fast. But things like that, I noticed because I, I was there and I, <laughs> things like that. It's just funny stuff, you know? And like I said, when we filmed it, we had filmed other stuff, you know, that never shows up or ends up on back then videotapes that, you know, never get produced or anything. So we just thought, oh, this is uh, some weird little movie that'll never get seen. And then when we went to the premiere and we saw what the hubbub was about, and in fact, they changed the name between the time when we were filming to when it was sent out to the public. Because when we filmed, it was called The Boy's Life. And then when they sent it out for, uh, for because we had to come back and do some pre-production stuff, it was called E.T. at that point. Yeah, so we, it's like I said, I was there from the very, very beginning, so I saw the changes. So it was really strange. And like I said, we I there's no way I thought this would be what it was until it came out. And the way it showed on, t on the movies was amazing. The drama, the, 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 I don't know how you talk. The way you would catch kids' eyes, little kids especially, that it, it would awaken them. Because the first time I figured that out was when we were at the premiere. And we're sitting in this huge 
plates with all these people. And they're all people from the industry. So we're sitting about halfway up in the middle. And there's this group of families with kids behind us, right behind us. And when E.T. was dying, remember when he was dying in the thing? There's all these little kids behind us. Going, Come on, E.T., please don't die. Please don't. At that point, you knew you had a hit. When you can get interactions from little kids that believe what the story is, you know you have a hit. You know? And it was a, it just, it exploded so fast, you know, uh, as someone that was in it, I think I was kind of, I didn't really catch it like the other people did, but everyone I talked to at that time was so, so excited about it and how it, it showed bicycles, kids riding bicycles, BMX bikes that really threw the whole industry in this. You know, GT and Haro, they they thank Kohara every day about stuff like that because every little bike was exciting at that point. What was it like, Robert, to, I mean, I'll say it again, you were a major, st- uh, for, for a lot of us, you were the star in one of the most popular films of all time. Um, yeah, it was, like I said, it was kind of different for me, and especially... In the group of people I was in, you know, I like like let me let me put it this way. I raced for years since 1973, but I was never a star racer. I was a racer. I made mains, but you gotta remember what in the in the era I came up, all those superstars you guys remember are all the guys I raced. So I hardly made mains back then, you know. But I always, I was always there. I always had a good sponsor. I always was someone people knew. So when the movie came out, it was a lot of patting on the back. Hey, that was great. But it never, for me, it never, I, I become like Haro. They, they all gravitated towards Bob because Bob was Bob Haro. So, and if you listen, <laughs> there's, you know, some of the points, they kind of put Bob in the center of it. He did it all, this, this. Truthfully, Bob was there. He did his part and he left. He didn't really, you know, I was there from start to finish, you know. Yes. It, it was, there were some quite funny lines in that uh, with you guys, wasn't there? Was it, There was oh. one, the one where he says, can't he, ju- he, can't he just beam up? <laughs> it's a man from outer space. We're taking him to a space. This is reality, Greg. Oh, yeah, that is my favorite line. Yeah. He looks at he looks at him and goes, "Can you just beam us up?" Yeah, yeah. Those are great lines, you know. Yeah. Well, <laughs> the best one is still when they're sitting at the at the dinner table and he goes, "Shut up, penis breath." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Oh my god, they put that on TV or on the movies." Yeah, yeah. It it was an eye opener for us kids in the UK because the way Americans. It, it was one of the first films that put American way of life right in front of us. And just a bit like when, when the guys were ordering pizza at the beginning, like we never ordered pizza. Nobody had the money to order pizza in ink. Well, my family, my friends, your mum might make pizza and it wouldn't probably, probably wouldn't be that, that special, but the guys are just, yeah, we'll just order pizza. And, um, and uh, all these uh, what you guys call candy, what we call sweets, all this 
candy everywhere and these really expensive bikes and and then of course Michael's driving his mum's car which was just a really nice touch in that film because it made you it ah oh, I can't really explain it but it, I don't know it just it just added so much value to to life oh, and it's like I say I have a lot of little fun moments that I can remember like if you remember when the van crashes into the park and all the agents are running towards it. That scene had to be done twice. The first time we did it, the first time she did it, can we get a point? The first time she did it, she outran the cops by 40 feet. She got to the, she got to the van, turned around, and they were like, where are those guys? Those old men are like, because <laughs> if you watch the, the actual tape they use in the movie, if you look really carefully, She's hardly running. She's jogging. And those guys are running their ass off. Yeah. Things like that. They were, when that scene happened, we were all sitting against the fence, you know, and we were laughing too hard. Yeah. We were laughing way too hard. And so they told us to get off. The, we had to get away from, we were too close. Did you get paid, paid anything for your, for your troubles? Well, if you look at what paid, scale is we got paid next to nothing yeah we got i got i probably got a little more because i was getting paid by everything bicycle plus the studio most of the kids i think took home about 350 bucks for total all of it yeah and i know haro got more i don't know what his deal was and i don't know what you know but he got more because he was bob haro but truthfully i think it was like 350 400 for each kid um plus it was scab work it wasn't they didn't you know that's why if you look at imdb if you know what imdb is right yeah the, the database the only, the only name you'll see is there haro because haro went and paid the 500 dollars or so to get into uh stuntman's association so that allowed him to use his name on any print stuff so imdb has his name in there and doesn't mention any of us so that's how and that's how when people look up et and they look up things that happen they always go to bob because his name is in the in imbd and ours aren't you know there was a point um steven maybe a month later after i think i moaned and a couple people moaned he put a a full page ad in the Hollywood Reporter with everybody's name in it in a large ad, full page ad. But that was the only uh, recognition any of the kids got or myself. Yeah, that's crazy. So uh, I'm guessing I'm guessing you guys were covered up a bit because you were playing the friends. Well, you were the stuntmen for the for um, uh, Elliot. Was it the little boy called Elliot, wasn't he? Yeah, Elliot. Yeah. His brother and then the friends, Greg and the other one, yeah. Uh, ah, yeah. right, yeah. Yes, yeah. yeah. We we all played the character, like the guy with the ski mask is Haro, the one with the glasses and the headphones and the red hat is me. You know, we all we were all supposed to be simping to each rider, but everyone had a kind of a disguise on. Yeah, I get it now. I get it. And what how how was the car stunt? How did that come about? And because when you when you watch the movie, they're coming down the bank, 
but then the right. next thing they're jumping over the car so i'm guessing they put did they put the bikes on the roof of the car no no we actually the car uh those are what if you look now if you go back there's a couple people that went back to each scene and redid them all you know as now that was where they put all the houses those were housing levels you would jump down each one they backed the car up as close as they can to one of those put a little piece of wood and we jumped from that piece of wood onto the top of the car so if you look at the cut we're coming down coming down the hill and then you'll see the guy laying oh he's almost laying on the ground and he looks up and we jump over him okay in the next scene we're on top of the car that's where the cut is we jump by him they cut reset us put us on top of the hill back the car up and then we jumped on top of the car wow but that was that same thing where they 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 held on to us too long and we both crashes and we crash into the car yeah i'd love to see that scene somewhere that's got to be somewhere on film yeah i would i would ask the studio if they if they can let you have that yeah in fact there's a I've seen a picture of the aftermath of that scene. Um, there's a photo, I think Bob has it in his photo collection where he does slideshows that I'm sitting on the ground by the front wheel and they're all looking at me. It's because I did a head plant into the car and broke the headphones and they thought I was dying. And I was like, no, I'm fine, I'm fine. They're all, you okay? Yeah, so it's... It, all kinds of stuff like that, you know. What was Steven Spielberg like? Uh, quiet. Um, I only got to see him mostly because we worked with what they called the second unit. We were in a, a whole separate thing from the regular cast. We would do all our, all the stunt stuff was done by a guy named Glenn Randall. You would know Glenn Randall from Raiders of the Lost Ark. He's the big burly guy that fights with um, uh, um, Harrison Ford on the airplane. Yeah, he looks a bit like me. <laughs> that's the uh, that no the uh, that's the other one was Chuck Waters. He looked just like you. <laughs> okay. Uh, yeah, Chuck. If you look, remember when we fly the first time, and the two guys are the two cop cars are parked uh, parked in the road, and we fly above them. Those are the two. Those were the two directors for our group if you look at the one cop on the uh i think it's on the right side that's glenn waters he's the big husky guy and the skinny little white guy on the other side was chuck waters and he he's another one that was in raiders all these guys are they all were doing raiders and then they did this it was really strange because i was like you look familiar what do i know you from you know you know but yeah it was a we didn't see we saw steven i think two days they came out, the, the one where I slammed into the car, he was there that day. And then there was another day that we were shooting, he was there. And the next time we saw him is when we went into the studio to shoot the landing scene from the, when we were all flying and then we all land and we do the slide. That was done in a studio. Yeah, that was like a syn synchronized slide, was it, from what I remember? Yeah, and and, and what's really funny is we, all, we did it in one take. That's yeah. what you want. They were, they were amazed at all of us that we could, that we listened, basically. 
But that's a, another scene in there is like when he comes in, he lands by himself and he crashes with the doll. That wasn't supposed to happen like that, but it worked out better because you couldn't see the E.T. doll when he crashed. So they used that scene instead of the scene they actually wanted to use. Are you saying it, it, it wasn't a real alien? <laughs> Truthfully, when, the whole time we were doing the outside parts, the, the, the basket contained a aluminum L-shaped tube with a big white blanket wrapped around it. And that's what we used for shooting. When you see the principles and you see the actual doll in there, that was a whole separate fight. And that, like, when they're riding down the street and you see them talking just before the thing, that was all done on a, like, a trailer. All the bike, all the bike kids were on a trailer and E.T., and they were pulling them, okay? There's a lot of little things like that, you know, that I know, but most people would never know, you know. But, yeah, it was an amazing adventure that I never thought was going to become what it became. You know, it, it was just... A kid having fun on his bike, and then it blew up the way it blew up. Because, like I said, when we did it, we were all laughing at it. We thought it was kind of hokey. This is dumb, you know. This will never work. People will never see this, you know. It'll end up on some cutting room floor somewhere. But when it came out, and we saw it, and it was so... The production was so good on it. You know, each scene, when... We go around the house and then we pop out over here and then we're going down the the terraces and then we come up around the thing. The way it was shot from where we shot it looks so good. It was a great moment. It was uh, really heroic. Oh, I like I said, I've had kids for the last 35, 40 years say how great it was and how how it moved them, how it changed their there's plenty of Olympic athletes today that tell you uh, I wouldn't be on my bicycle today if it wasn't for the movie, you know? Yes, Sir Chris Hoy. Yeah. 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 And I, I, even, uh, I, I think it was uh, Sagan, Peter Sagan even had mentioned it in something. What was it like, Robert, um, watching the actors in 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 the movie through the years because Henry Thomas went on to do quite some other stuff. I'm not sure about the other characters, but I'm sure they did. They so did most of them, well, like I say, the kid that I played, his name was Casey Melton. He kind of disappeared after that movie. He did a couple of small things, but he disappeared. I think maybe he had issues. I'm not sure. Um, the older brother, he's, He's really, right now, he's uh, doing a lot of what they call cons, you know, like uh, Comic-Con and stuff like that. They show up with Dee Wallace and the uh, little midget that played, or the little person that played uh, E.T. He, it was a kid that had no legs. He, he rode around on a skateboard. They put him in the E.T. suit and he'd flop around a bit, you know. He shows up at those cons and stuff, and they do uh, autograph ceremonies and stuff like that. But that's about it. And D. Wallace has done TV shows, a lot of things. The Doctor, you see him a lot. Um, Drew Barrymore, you know what became of her, you know? Yeah. 
No. That's she another, she went through. The story she, about uh, Drew Barrymore is when we went to the the first um, premiere, uh, we got there a little late because there was a lot of traffic. It's Los Angeles. A lot of traffic. And her and her mom must have got there late, too. When we pulled up, she was pounding on the door with her shoe. Let me in. My daughter's in this movie. Let me in. They, and that's the only reason we got into the premiere, because she was screaming and yelling. What was it like to see yourselves on the screen for the first time? Um, myself, I thought it was amazing. You know, but it wasn't. See, there, therein lies the problem. We were in the movie. We did everything, but no one knew it. Very small group of people knew it, you know. And then when you would tell people, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm in that movie. They'd be, yeah, right, you know. Yeah. So to be, we were, like myself, I was never a star or anything. So all I can tell you is people always came up and said how they enjoyed the movie, all this stuff. And it makes me prideful for it. But truthfully, Throughout the years, it's only been the last couple of years where people have noticed it. How so, come in the how come in the last couple of years? What what changed? Uh, I think more to do with the people that now are in their older, and they have grandkids and kids, and say, "Did you see this movie?" And this I grew up, and now there's Facebook groups for ET, thousands of them. And uh, people pass, you know, pictures through and stuff like that. And uh, like now, I, I get requests for autographs. Will you sign my number plate or I'll send this to you and things like that. I do as many as I can when I can, you know. If you send it to me, I'll do it. I don't have an issue, you know. But truthfully, the money, I, I never earned any money on the ancillary parts of it, you know. Uh, what I got when I got is what I got, and the little fame that I got seems to be more now than it has that were in the past. Yeah, you, you and me both, Robert. Oh, I know, and I still can't. I'm still amazed that you ran that all the way across the the continent. It was like you're a nut. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, across the UK. Yeah, yeah, that was fun. That was fun. Yeah. I'd like to do more of that, but it's it's so time consuming and it really hurts. <laughs> hurts a lot. Puts you in the pain cave for weeks after you do after you do something. It literally takes me months to get the feeling back in my toes and stuff. But uh, hey, but if you'd got um, massive stardom or something, you might have had all the problems that Drew Barrymore had. Oh, I I, I totally agree. I mean, I don't. Have my life is fine with what I had when I had it. And I can look back on this time of my life and say, I did this and no one can take that away from me free. And it's really funny because here in the United States, every Thanksgiving, they show the movie. So everyone calls, Hey, you, you know, it's on, uh, are you watching it? You know, you know, I showed it to my boy because I've kind of had like a second youth now that I'm a father. I want to show all the films that I loved to all the films that meant something back in the, in the eighties and well, even some of them late seventies now, um, even the nineties, but I want to show them to my, my boy, but it, he's just a bit young to kind of get it. Um, we watched ET. I think he just, I think he was just too, too young. So, um, but it's, 
it's funny it like you said it was such a high quality production at the time and yet when you watch it now it it almost seems like a bit of a different you know i guess because you're young and you're watching this cinema and it's cinematic it's big you got the stereo sound the the bit where the the aliens creeping through the you know running through the grass that really you felt like what what's going on you you sensed and then that the when they had this sort of the um i don't know like the shadow government characters the cia or whoever they were the net probably not you know um nasa or something <laughs> and they've got the torches and you really yeah. they really felt like they're looking for you yeah and here's and you gotta remember that movie is made before the digital age yeah very much so so I literally, it was the last movie like that that was made before the digital age. So all, everything we did was we did it, you know? So it's not so much, you know, faked out like nowadays. Nowadays, they would make the flying part all digital, you know? And yeah. back then it was pretty much, if you would, it, 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 it was stop motion, as you would call it. It was all miniatures and uh, real people and miniatures. So it's a different, it was a different type of filming. Yeah, I do all my own stunts. <laughs> That's why I don't do any. <laughs> I do my own stunts too. Sometimes they don't work out the way they're supposed to. Because I'm still racing today. Yeah, I, I, I saw that in some of the pictures Jane sent me. <laughs> yeah, I'm 60 years old and still racing. Wow. How is it? Oh, I love it. It's it's my escape from life is going to the race. Uh, even Jane will tell you that once I get to the races, I kind of end up being like a 15-year-old. I bet. Are you uh, elbowing people off? Uh, I try not to anymore because the ground hurts a whole lot more than it did when I was 15. Yes. I never raced. My, I didn't have a lot of support growing up, and my, my bike was a real a real old thing. I can't even remember the name of it. I thought it was Amico for a while, but they, they used to be quite a good brand, Amico, so it probably wasn't. Um, but I used to just do the stunts. I could do uh, something like 89 back hops, 27, <laughs> 27 front hops. I could cycle along and just jump up and do the 360. I used to, we called it ruffle hop after Andy. I used to, I could ruffle hop over uh, about 11 people. I used to get my friends to lie down and my God, how, how we trusted each other back then. Um, so when I got to be an adult, well, adult-ish, um, I was on eBay one day and I saw a Harrow Freestyler, fr the frame. And even this is about, 20 years ago about, about maybe 16 years ago now and even then it was 300 350 pounds so about five five hundred dollars just just for the frame and i thought do you know what i'm having it and i bought it and i bought all original old old school parts all the mx brakes skyways um the layback i think it's a harrow layback seat post the the straight bars um so yeah, so I, I, I got my dream BMX, but it took me uh, took me twenty years to get it. Well, that that it's really funny because right now that's that's why the big bike craze right now is so big, is because there are all these people that lived in the eighties and the early nineties 
that wanted a bike that couldn't afford a bike and now that they're older and they have all this ancillary money they go out and they purchase these new bmx bikes but they're big bikes that fit them you know and that's what that's how that craze started because i know so many a lot of people tell me well i wanted this bike when i was in the 80s but my parents couldn't afford it i couldn't afford it but i can afford it now so they're buying a lot of the old bikes restoring them keeping them more as trophies than they are anything else yeah oh very much so yeah i love my bike i love the fact i still can go out on it and um i think it's good at 50 51 years old that um because a lot of people i mean i was in the marines and even a lot of marines they give up on themselves sorry if <laughs> probably offended a load of people there but um you know they just like let it all go and and you speak to them they 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 don't run they don't do any fitness they don't do anything and um i i get it i guess it's easy easy to do if you get in a bit of a rut but i just want to keep getting out there and smashing it oh yeah well there's a lot of people like that. especially right now there's a lot like in like i race bmx in our class the the three biggest classes for us there is a 51 to 55 class there's a 56 to 60 and 61 and over all those classes are full at the big race so there's plenty of people and then 45 to 50 and then oh, all those groups there's plenty of people racing bicycles still you know that were racing in the 80s brought their kid out to the track didn't want to stand around so grabbed a bike and started riding again figure and it when you get back on your bike, and especially if you haven't ridden in a while, a lot of that stuff's still in your head. You think you can do all this stuff, but it is so much harder than people realize. But once you do it, and you've done it before, it's kind of like drugs. It's hard to get away from it. Yeah. It's in your system. There's a video of Andy on YouTube doing the 360, and it, it, he falls off a few times, but I mean, but then he nails it. Yeah, but it was really funny because Andy didn't really ride anymore. He didn't really show up. And then just recently he started riding. And then I someone took him out on a bike and he loved it. He went out and got himself a bike. Now he rides a lot more than he did you know, in the past. So it's good to see. I'd like to see him come out to the racetrack. He's still, I think he's 53, 54. So he still, he, he could be in 51 to 55 cruiser. He would have a good time, you know. It's fun because, well, more. It's funny because I laugh because we get on the gate at a big race, and it's the main, and you look over and it's like, like, didn't I race all these guys in 1980? You know. <laughs> I think Andy's yeah. uh, Andy's worried about turning up in in case his pedal comes off again, and and there's a TV camera there. That is the best scene too. I used to love those the the Kellogg's races and. You know, the TV shows you guys did, they were fun. They were, you know, for the the early 80s, they were just what people needed. They were poppy, they were funny, uh, but they were educational to the point of teaching kids about racing and freestyle. You were more on the freestyle end of it, huh? In the UK, it was split 50-50. Um, there was a lot of racing going on. Um, I actually had two 
two friends who were sponsored riders so they got all their bikes and everything for free and that used to that was just beyond belief for a lot of us kids um where did you grow up in the uk i grew up in um at, at this time i was living in the southwest so a long a long way from london a long way from the romford skate park did you did was there any tracks near you yeah they had a uh, they they built a track there, um, it was a place called Brentor, and all the guys every Saturday or whenever it was would go out. You know, those that had support. It it all came down to your parents, didn't it? You know, my parents were were split up several times and all this kind of stuff. And I think by the time I got my BMX, I, uh, my parents had been divorced. I had a stepdad then, and it it, it yeah, it was uh, quite challenging quite 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 challenging really when your mum marries a psychopath <laughs> not that I hold any grudges now <laughs> um and so I didn't really have that support Robert which is why I it's good now being a parent because I want to take my boy to the football you know I want I, I want him to not have to go somewhere on his own and like I always had to do and so I didn't really have that support but I tell you what had I got into racing I, I, I think I'd have been really good but let's not take any credit away from you guys because I've seen the way people go off the start ramp with just that killer look in their eye and then they just pedal like hell for the first corner just to be the first into the corner then they worry about well they don't even break but shove a foot out and uh, it, it's yeah, I'm just full of admiration for that spirit. Well, nowadays, nowadays it's not even the foot out because you're clipped in. Oh, really? Yeah, you're 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 strapped to the bike basically. You're clipped in on 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 a BMX bike. So if you make a mistake, the ground is the first thing that you hit. I mean, there's no there's no catching yourself at that point. Did you watch? Did you watch? Well, did you have pride in your? Uh, your uk bmx team did i have what sorry some pride for this year's uh olympics with yeah, kai, they, 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 well i got second and uh bethany i think was it bethany got first i sorry say that last bit again you you got what well i'm just saying because i figure you guys are pretty happy because kai white got second in men's in the he got the silver medal and wow. Bethany he got the gold medal for you guys uh yeah i i i was uh away camping at the time and i i think i heard it on the radio um i don't actually watch much tv anymore so kind of i'm a bit i'm a bit out of that um unless some unless something pops up on youtube about it or or um i don't tend to know but yeah i did but was it good did you see it oh yeah you should have heard jane screaming because uh kai Kai had a, had a great start. I thought he was going to be first into the first corner. And then he popped out and he was second. He kept, I mean, he kept it close the whole time, but it was great to watch. But the best one is when you saw Bethany's race, Kai was on the sidelines screaming and yelling, jumping as she's going around the track. And she led it from start to finish. She had... She was the fastest girl the whole weekend, besides probably at least 
but at least kept making mistakes. So she didn't even make the main. The only issue with uh, Bethany was her second jump would scare me every time. She would land on that front wheel and I would think she's going to crash. But she would pull out of it and man, she had great straightaway uh, straight speed and stuff. It was, a, it was amazing to watch. She did really good. And I thought everybody in the UK would be proud of her, you know. You know, they, she was on, what, Good Morning Britain and a couple other places. They had Kai on. Uh, that's another thing. How old's your, your, your boy? He's six now. Well, it's about time to get him a nice bike and send him out to the track. Yeah, he's got a, we, I bought him a really nice bike because something happened with bikes in this country, especially BMX type bikes. And that is when they started to become mass manufactured, they become really heavy. You know, like back in the day, you nobody wanted a heavy bike. You wanted a bike you could pick up with one finger. That was just how it was. And so I bought him a, a BMX from a place called Halfords, which is sort of our most popular bike, bike shop in the UK or, or, or one of them, I should say. And um, when I got it out of the box, I thought, this is ridiculous. He's six years old and this thing weighs, I don't know, let's just say 20, 20, 15 kilos or something. So I did some research and I found out that I wasn't the only parent that felt like this. And there were people on website forums saying, you know, I, I want to get a bike from a child, but these bikes seem so heavy. And, and someone wrote back, she should try this brand. Um, and I read up about the bike and it said when you're learning to ride you want something that's easy to just get on and ride you don't want to be worrying about that you can't pedal it uphill and this kind of thing and this bike turned up i can't think of the brand now but it's a very it's an incredibly well-made bike it, when you look at the ones in the in the major shops they're all you can see they've all been made in china and, and the, but this thing is uh yeah this bike's really good quality it's, and it was about five and a half kilos so this incre incredible difference um, yeah you, you need to get together and find your local track and club and get involved you know and maybe we'll see you on the track you can come out and ride you know they have a 50 and over but do you guys don't mind losing not anymore i used to hate it used to just bother the heck out now it's if we're on the track and we're having fun, we, it's funny because in the older classes, you hear a lot of chatter on the track. Get out of the way. What are you doing? Don't do that. You're having, you know, there's just a lot of little chatter between each us. That never happened in the old days. It's more like, get out of the way, crack, you know. <laughs> now it's like, oh, no, you know how to use the brakes now, all this other stuff. Just stupid chatter throughout the race. Because we're all friends. We've been doing this for a lot of us, some of us, 30, 40 years together, you know? Yeah, and isn't it great that you've got that bond that, that ties you to that? But, you know, they have these reunions now at the Romford Skate Park, and all the people that were there 35 years ago turn up and drink a few beers, and then they go and break their legs on the skate park. Uh, yeah, so it's good. Um, I think people like that, don't they? Oh, yeah. The reunions are really popular. They just had one out here, you know, for the NBA, which is the first organization that ran BMX racing. 
And it's funny because all the people are there between the age of like 35 and 60, you know? Yeah. And they're all talking bicycles, you know? Well, when you look at skateboarding, um, uh, God, what's the chap's name? Uh, Hawk, Tony Hawk. Yeah, Tony Hawk. I mean, God, he's older than me now, I think. And, and he looks a lot younger and he can still just pull off any trick that, you know, any trick that he wants. Yeah, well, it's it's kind of like people always laugh. You can still ride a bike. I said, I've been riding bikes so long. It's kind of muscle memory. It's not so much how. It's just I know how to do it. It's in my head. It's, you know, I can almost do it with my eyes closed. Let's put it that way. And that's like everybody else. And like I said, some of these guys, they might not have ridden for 30 years, but they'll get on a bike and all that memory, muscle memory comes back. You know, it. It comes back pretty easy for stuff like that. The tracks are different. The way they run the races is different, but it's still the same. A kid and a bicycle on a on a, a dirt track, you know. Yeah. Today tracks are now soil tacked, which means they're sealed and they're hard. Like they're more like concrete tracks. They're not so much dirt, but they're. They're made of dirt, but they're sprayed with this glue material. It's it, the reason why they do that is because, especially like in England where it rains a lot, they can let it rain in 45 minutes. They can blow the track off and they can they run the races. Wow. You know, yeah. But also, if you look at the way, I always laugh because I go back and I look at old races. We pedaled five times as much as they pedal now. Now it's more of a what we call pump and pull. You know, it's not so much pedaling, it's learning how to use the transitions and pumping through the corners and through the whoopties and stuff. So it's a, it's the same sport with a different way of doing it. Is it still just the one gear? Yeah. Well, this year in the Olympics, one of the guys was running a two speed. It kind of has like a clutch system. You would hold it in and it would run into a certain gear. And then once you let it go, it would pop into the second gear. They had a thing like that in the 80s called a, brown, a Browning two-speed that people ran. It just a single gear on that type of track because, like I said, the pedaling is not as important as the actual. Once you get out of the gate, there's points where you may not even pedal after the first corner. It's, it's the way the tracks are built, you know. So it's a, di it's a different sport in the sense the way it's ridden you know because in the old days you would pedal 60 feet hit a bump pedal 60 feet hit a bump and then hit two bumps and maybe some whoopties and pedal some more nowadays that you pedal down the first straightaway hit the first jump and then you coast you hit the whoopties you you pump through the corners you pump through the jumps and you may pedal a couple times on the last corner or something but most of it is just momentum and learning to use the transitions and stuff and pedaling, you know, not pedaling, pumping. Yeah, I've got you. It's a bit like when you watch uh, motorbike motocross. They, um, they really have to just get it right at the right moment and it will take them to the next, almost to the next part of the track. Um, well, that's, a lot of that skill is from BMX. If you notice, a lot of the top motocrossers now are former BMXers at one point. Because you learn to use transitions. You learn how to not use, 
that same as the scrub now everyone's scrubbing it's to keep low you don't want to go high because you lose momentum plus speed if you can stay low get the wheels to the ground and then go you have more speed and that's the bmx thing you, you're not really flying over things except the big jumps like in the supercross but most of it is wheels on the ground and you're using your body to hit transitions and pump through corners or pump through the whoopties and stuff like that. Yeah, it's a, it's, it's a different sport from when you were in the eighties, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, Robert, my last question for you is um, when they remake ET, are you, are you going to be the man for the job? <laughs> According to Steven Spielberg, he will never remake ET. That was a direct quote. I know that there's a script running around Los Angeles, ET2, but will it ever come about? I doubt it because he has pretty much put a kibosh on it right away because the story, I think the story is based on his life that he, you know, he was a kid that no one didn't really like him and he found a group of kids that he could handle with and they used to ride bikes together. They just they just kind of made it into the story. And I think that he doesn't want to mess with the story because it was so popular when it came out. You know, it, 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 like I say, I don't think you could catch the fire today with a movie like that, like it did then. Because then we were much innocenter. The kids didn't really, you know, kids went out and played. Today, you can't get kids to go out and play for nothing. Okay. So. I look at it as this was a needle in a haystack kind of movie. You'll never find anything like this again. It, it, it brought people together. It made a sport. It, uh, it promoted kids having fun on bicycles all over the world. And I think today you can't get that kind of thing because kids don't do that kind of thing anymore. No, I'm hoping my son gets more into crime because that'll get him out of the house then wouldn't it well like i say i would i would go to your local track and you know start doing maybe a couple days a week or uh, one day a week go out to the track and see if his love of bicycles will grow and that's the only way because you have to have the love for the bicycle and the sport to do it because you're not going to see it on tv you're not going to you know, you're not going to, it's not big enough to have, no, there's no more magazines, there's no more. So the people that are doing it, do it because they love the sport or their family was into the sport in a young age and they love it that way. Because it's not, like I say, there's no BMX beat on TV. <laughs> you know, there's not Andy doing his little tricks and stuff. So yeah. these kids... The first time they saw it probably was the Olympics this year. And I guarantee that excited a lot because I've seen the stuff that the, um, I think it's, what are they, Peckham? Peckham BMX. Peckham BMX. If you want to do a story, those guys, you know, they've done some amazing things. And Peckham BMX is where uh, um, Kai White came from, you know, and his brother, his brother before him, uh, and they've made it all the way to the Olympics. Now an Olympic uh, silver medalist out of this little, you know, 
I think it's East London's area where the the have-nots live, and they've they've brought a hero into their community. That hero may be able to springboard more kids to race, and that's how it works. But with our sport, we hardly see it on TV. I mean, in America, we get to see. Uh, you know what cornholing is? No, I don't know that that one. It's basically they they set up these these little ramps with a hole in the middle and they throw bean bags at it. Oh, you got to get the bag in a hole, right? Yeah. Yeah, I saw Steve-O from Jackass doing it on YouTube last night. Okay. You do like some, flick it with your foot and then over your head and then it lands. Oh, no, this is just, you just throw it. And they have teams and international, it's international cornholing. I'm going to have a look. Okay. They actually, ESPN will show an hour of cornholing on TV, but they won't show any bike racing. Cornholing, it it's, sounds a bit rude, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it's a bit like Aunt Sally at the pub. The, uh, James yeah. said it's a bit like Aunt Sally at the pub. Yeah, I, it's like a ramp with the hole at the top if I'm, if I've got, yeah, I, st- I saw Steve-O do it. He threw the beanbag with his foot and it went, he did something like that anyway, but um, yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, but they, 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 Go yeah, ahead. They, they don't want kids to be happy, achieving, thinking, adventurous individuals anymore, do they? They just want them to be like robots that just buy the technology and they lose all their thinking. I still well, that, get- that, that's the funny part. We go to the nationals still all the time. Let's, let's put it this way. We go to the Nationals. It's like walking into a different community. No one's wearing masks. No one's talking about anything. Everyone, you know, doing their, all the kids are playing in the dirt. You know, parents are happy. Things are going on. Commerce is working. It's the whole thing. It's just things are going on and you wouldn't believe it. As soon as you leave the area and you, you, go, you go out to the city and you see all the people wearing their masks and and no one's happy and everyone's seeing. But when you're at the Nationals, the bike races, it's like the biggest happy community you can believe. Yeah, I bet it is. I bet it is. I feel sorry for these kids that their parents are buying into all this bullshit, you know. you got no chance in life if your parents getting you to wear that shit, you know. What, 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 uh, it's, it's upsetting, you know. Well, that's the worst part is it's... It, all you're doing is scaring kids for no apparent reason. The, right now, the kids aren't the problem. Even the kids, when they get it, they don't get sick. They get sick. Oh, oh, you, you've heard we've cured the common cold and flu. <laughs> I cured that 18 years ago when I just started eating vegetables. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, it, it really is that simple. People challenge me on this all the time. But that's because they don't eat vegetables, so they haven't found out for themselves. If you eat veg, folks, it, in my experience, never get sick, ever. Well, another thing is, like I always tell people, today's kids don't get dirty. So they don't get, they don't inhale dirt. When you inhale dirt, you tend to repel things easier. You know what I mean? All You see the kids that go to the races, motocross races, BMX races that are out in the elements, in the dirt, getting dirty, they hardly get sick. That's because their body's used to it. 
these kids that stay at home and they're on the computer and they go out every once in a while. Those are the kids that get sick all the time. Yeah. You know? Yeah, of course. The further we come out of the environment, you know, even you, you need sunlight, don't you? You need to move. You need exercise. You, you, you need a bit of a adventure. You need, you need rain on you. You need, you need cold. You need to get cold now and again. And, and uh, you need to, you also need to go without food now and again. Um, I mean, when we were kids, we, we'd go out the house in the morning. We wouldn't come back until the evening. We didn't take these drinks bottles where we didn't have any of that stuff. Come, come the afternoon, you'd be so thirsty. You go and drink from the river. Not, not a good idea now, folks, not with Giardia, but back then that's, that's just what, that's what we did. Uh, you didn't take a. That's like, we used to always drink out of the hose. Yeah. <laughs> and when you're drinking from a hose, it tastes really good, doesn't it? Because you're always so thirsty. Robert, listen, it's been an absolute honor and a pleasure to chat to you. Um, thank you for being a special part of my uh, upbringing. In fact, I thank you on behalf of everybody else that's watching this that, um, that, that loved that scene in the film. And uh, stay on the line just so I can thank you and Jane properly. And, and thank you, Jane, for, for getting us in touch um, after seeing the Andy Ruffle podcast. But um, let's chat again sometime. Yeah, and you know, Jane, her dad was one of the first importers of BMX bicycles into the UK. Her dad ran the Hot Shots company. Wow. Yeah. That's a famous name, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. So, and uh, just a little thing to tell you, you'll be seeing the Hot Shots logo around again soon. Yeah, well, that's good news. Yeah, they're going to make a return, are they? Oh yes, yeah. Good. Well, I wish them all the best with all the best with that. Well, I wish you the best too, and all your fans. And uh, you're a pretty amazing guy yourself. So I wouldn't, you know, you know, I I, I pat you on the back because I don't know how you did what you've done, and, <laughs> and being a Royal Marine and all that stuff. That's that's amazing stuff for me. You know. As I always say to our young people, you get one life. That's it. You don't get two. You get one. You got a choice. You can sit inside, you know, on technology, and you're going to get to 80 years old, and you're going to cry, and then you'll die, and you're going to think, "What have I done with my?" And and I've met people like this. I've met 40 year olds break down in front of me because they've done nothing with their life except go to a boring job. Um, so it, it, it's really simple for me, Robert. I'm not amazing at all. I just really appreciate, I only get one go at this. So I'm really greedy to, you know, get out there. And also, you know, as a father, I, I think your son's got to look up to you and, and, and love you and think that, think that you're a hero. And, and yeah, it's, it's the old social skills thing. Yeah. When you're sitting in front of a computer your whole life, you don't learn social skills. And I, that's what I always tell people, go to the bike races, hang out with these people. You know, it's a whole different culture. It's the, like I always say, when I go to the bike races, the motorcycle races, we talk a different language. You know, there's a lot of bros and that's rad. And, you know, I'm stoked, you know, and everybody knows what everybody's talking about. But if you were to do the same into like uh, a, like a cocktail party or something, you were in there. 
no one would even know what you're talking about. You know, it's like I said, it's a different world when you go to the races and you hang out with like-minded people that believe in all, you know, the world and the way things should be, you know, that, you know, none of this, you know, I may her or him or whatever, you know, no, there's boys and there's girls. They race hard. They race together. The parents are parents, you know, you know, when a kid does bad, he's told he's done bad. When a kid has done good, he's praised. Yeah. None of this, there is no participation trophies in racing. You need to participate to get a trophy. You know, yeah. and that's the that's the problem with right now. The world is everyone's a winner, and yeah. not everyone is a winner. No, and I don't blame the young people. I don't even blame their parents. I I, I blame these Wall Street psychopaths that they, they just want a cowardly, weak population. But and and it's yeah. working. It's working. You can see it's, you know. So yes, Robert, I was thanking you very much, wasn't I? Um, this is the, the this is why I started a podcast is so that I could talk to legends, um, and that's how it's worked out. So thank you to you and Jane ever so much. To all of our friends at home, massive love to you all. Please look after each other. Get out on the bike, and if you haven't got one, buy one. You can get them pretty cheap these days. And um, if you can like and subscribe, that would be wonderful. See you next time. Friends, thank you for listening to the Bought the T-Shirt podcast. Please like, subscribe and share. And don't forget to follow me on social media. Username, Chris Thrall. Instagram, Chris.Thrall. Thank you.